This is How to Product. We make the mistakes. So you don't have to. I'm Strummy. I'm Tall. I'm Nick. And today we have with us another special guest who is Ooh. Ryan again. Again. Woohoo. Hello again. 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 Hi, Ryan. Um, any fun facts you want to share with us this week? No, no. Nothing exciting has happened since I talked to you last. Hmm. Okay. Still no oh. fun. <laughs> no <laughs> jokes. Nothing fun. No jokes. I didn't laugh once. So anyway... <laughs> For those who don't remember, last week we had Ryan as a guest to talk about latency targets. So basically, how as a PM do you think about speed and performance and all of that? Um, in the, you know, since last week when we were talking about this, we've all been thinking about it a bit and uh, had some you know, follow-up questions or concerns of how we thought things might go wrong. Uh, with, things never you know, go latency. wrong. What are you talking about? Okay. Tall. Uh, <laughs> Fine, then I, I, maybe I have a lot of questions of how they can go wrong. But before we get to that, we kind of wanted to recap you know, what we talked about last time because it was a little disorganized because we were all just asking Ryan questions. So the first thing is that um, you know, speed and latency are, are important because you know, you know, it's a big part of your user's experience. You know, every time something's a little slower, maybe some users drop off. Maybe a few more users become frustrated. Um, one thing we talked about last time was a few different things like latency, speed, responsiveness, and uh, you know, Tall pointed out that those actually are a little different. So Tall, can you just like quickly kind of recap maybe what the difference is between some of those? Yeah, so one of the things we were talking about a little bit is the different aspects that all are part of the perceived performance for, for a user. So there are things like latency, which is how long does it take someone to actually accomplish what they're trying to achieve? Uh, but then there's also things like responsiveness, which is more how how long does it take for the UI or the um, action or gesture that the user took to respond. So pressing a button, for example, an indication that you pressed a button uh, adds to the sense of responsiveness, even if the actual action that the button uh, takes wasn't yet completed, which would be more around latency. So the two are both very important for the overall experience that the user sees or feels. Yeah, but overall, an important distinction to make. And it also is a great segue into kind of, you know, if we like synthesize what we talked about last time, how to approach this as a product manager. So you kind of start from like, as Tal was mentioning, with like those core user journeys are that you have as a user. So maybe it's like signing up or maybe it's like kind of the core action of your product. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of diagram those out uh, you know, step by step. Um, and then either using you know, your own intuition of using the product or customer feedback, find out areas where maybe there's a problem in performance or responsiveness. And then you, know, you just need to, instru you need to instrument that uh, and uh, don't just look at the mean or median, but to like, look at the distributions to split mm -hmm. that data with different types of users in order to really kind of understand where there's a problem. And you know, once you've done all that, like, everything's just going to work, right? Like, you know, your engineers will work on that and your product will become better and uh, yep. you'll be the greatest product manager of all time, right? Perfect. Yep. Like I said, no no mistakes. Things never go wrong. Okay, great. <laughs> so now I think maybe this is, it, to, in contrary to what Tal is saying, maybe now it's time to talk about how things can go wrong. So, Tal's already wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting uh, Ryan to come in and, and tell us about all of this. His, lend us his well, wisdom. I think Ryan can be the expert that can help us a bit as we oh, talk okay. through some of these. So maybe yeah, I'll, just, I'll just jump in when you're all very wrong. That's great. Great. And still haven't jumped in yet, Ryan. I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. All right, so maybe maybe Strami, like, what are some ways that you've seen this go wrong, or you're you're kind of concerned about? Should these like focus on performance? Um, 
One of the ways that uh, I've seen this happen would be if a team or a PM or someone uh, is trying to kind of go at it alone, if they're a lone wolf trying to address performance, because often this is something that uh, really uh, is a result of sort of a bunch of different actions across a bunch of different teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fix often has to be um, similarly sort of joint as opposed to individual action. And so this kind of lone wolf approach uh, sometimes can work well or sometimes can work well in the early days in terms of targeting a very specific thing. Uh, but if leadership isn't brought in, uh, it can be challenging to have a sustained and long-term uh, impact on performance, or even sometimes even just at the beginning, if there's a bunch of systems that are working together to kind of cause things to be very slow, that person may not even have agency or that team may not have agency to um, to fix things. So sort of the situation you want to avoid is your team does all this great work to improve the user experience, to make things faster. And you turn around and people ask, where are all my features that I, that I wanted, you know, <laughs> that, yeah. or, or, or your, or your engineers try to get promoted and people say, why did you not build anything? Like, this is what you're trying to avoid. Right. Right. Yeah. And I know Ryan, you, you brought this up a little bit last week. Could you talk a little bit about sort of ways to address this or, or even signals to know that it's happening? Signals to know that the lone that a lone wolf is happening. Uh, yeah, that well, perhaps it's not sort of set up to have the the support it might need. I see, I see. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 critical that leadership be bought in, and the best example of that is is that they are saying they are bought in. You should see performance goals as the top level goals uh, next to the features in the ideal situation. Um, I always get a little concerned when I don't see goals about performance being, you know, presented at the big all hands, or they're lumped together into some like maintenance uh, category or something like that that indicates that this is somehow lesser work um, because that's not going to really set up your engineers for success if they want to work on performance. Right. And then even if, uh, let's say, that all of this buy-in has happened and the team is able to. Uh, you know, their, their work is recognized and there's not going to be people who come around and say, hey, what, what, what features have you been building? No, their, their whole thing is about uh, performance. There is still, there are still other pitfalls. Um, another thing that I have seen is a team that is still in the early days of uh, working on performance and tries to go for the gold star, the gold medal, and just fix everything. And that ambition is great. However, uh, even with the buy-in of the rest of the organization, uh, if those if there's like large performance problems that also need large solutions, um, the team may not be able to affect those in the time that is needed. And so this kind of fix everything approach can sometimes uh, kind of cause the team to not have success on their performance metrics. And maybe and I've even seen cases where the team gets shut down. Uh, because the leadership is like, ah, this didn't work. Like it's a lost cause or we'll fix it in the next redesign. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. And I think you especially see that for a team that has not started thinking about performance until late in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Ideally performance is something that you're designing for right from the beginning, but a lot of times teams have the mentality of, oh, we'll build it and then we'll make it fast afterwards. And so they'll come in and they'll see the great number of ways that performance is, is not okay. And so, yeah, their reaction is going to be, okay, well, we'll just attack everything all at once. And, and maybe it's 
a little bit too late. Maybe it does, as you as you indicated, um, require some sort of redesign to really do right. Actually, so sorry, I just have a big question to follow up with what Ryan's saying. That, you know, now Ryan, since you had this history of being a performance focused PM, you know, now as you like build newer things, like newer products, like maybe very uncertain new products, like how do you actually try to like factor in performance from the beginning or, or do you adopt that same, like, let's just build it see if it works and yeah, then like, make it faster. How is this not premature optimization? Basically? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all gang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was one part of that is a, it is a difficult question because I haven't really been in uh, the situation of building something from, from the ground up uh, since I've been on this, these performance focused teams, but no, it's right. You don't want to be over optimizing from, the second that you start creating something. I guess more of my point is that you want that to be in, in the back of your head. You want performance to be something that you're factoring in when you're making decisions mm -hmm. about the type of framework that you're gonna go with, for example, um, or the ways that your different components are gonna be talking to each other, something like that, something that's, that's more fundamental that you're not gonna be able to easily change later when you decide, okay, now we care about performance, that the framework may have already been laid. Hmm. Interesting. So Ryan, one of the things that, that you mentioned there, so start plan from the beginning uh, and sort of, I know Stami was also talking about don't try to, to fix everything. But one of the things that you mentioned that poses a sort of different challenge is going to the other end of the spectrum. If you plan from the beginning, but you plan too specifically. So I know you sort of talked about like missing the forest for the trees. Could you tell us a little bit more about what, what goes wrong there or what does that look like? Yeah, I had a... I had a very specific instance of this that I'm thinking of where when I joined the team, the team was very narrowly focused on one metric that was important to them. And to their credit, it was a very one, important one, one metric. performance metric, right? One performance metric, yes. It was a specific mm -hmm. latency metric. And uh, and they were focused on optimizing it and they did that very well. But what they hadn't realized was that there were a number of secondary performance metrics that were still fairly critical to the overall feel of the performance mm -hmm. of the product that they were not measuring, not monitoring, not optimizing. And so even though quarter after quarter, they were reaching success on their goals, uh, overall, the product was becoming quite slow. Hmm. And so, and, and so and when you're, when you find yourself in a situation like that, like, or how do you avoid a situation like that? Yeah. Well, I was thinking this honestly comes back to what you were saying earlier about getting leadership buy-in. I don't, I don't want to paint that just as, okay, we need leadership to be bought in because they control the resources. They also have that high level perspective of how does, how is the product? How does this feel? And so they're going to be the ones to say, wow, like, are you guys, have you been focusing on the right thing? Because this still doesn't look right. Or like, wow, you guys need to, to broaden your perspective a little bit. So having mm. others that you're working with across the organization can really help uh, broaden that. Hmm. I, I'll also add that in that case, I was working on a team that was branded as the team that was supposed to work on performance. And so everyone else kind of figured it was not their job to work on performance. <laughs> oh, and wow. It actually was set up quite bad that way. That is actually a big danger. Like yeah. that is a really good thing to hmm. keep in mind. As opposed to maybe a team that helps everyone be aware of the performance implications of their features and allowing then performance to be one of those sort of debated metrics, uh, among many, rather than there being a team whose job is performance. Absolutely. I think that's mm -hmm. a much healthier setup. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, I don't know, Tal, anything else you, you, you've seen or were thinking about with performance? Yeah. So I guess actually tied a little bit uh, to, to that piece of, you know, if you have one central team thinking about performance, one of the other things that I've, I've seen go wrong is the sort of 
death by by a thousand cuts situation. Um, and in particular, I think my sort of initial instinct on hearing this problem is cool. Let's make sure with every launch that we are tracking performance and we'll look at every experiment and like great performance metrics didn't move in a negative way. Like, cool, we're good to go, like ready to launch. Uh, but one of the things that I think can come up there is that each individual launch might not look like it is negatively harming performance, but on aggregate across multiple launches, your performance will will degrade. I know uh, I was actually working with, with Ryan on some of these points and we were chatting about this earlier. And uh, I think how, how Ryan put it is very, very much that you should assume that everything you launch has an impact on performance. It's just a question of whether you can can see it. Yeah, that's right. If it's just true, if you have launched something that adds to the product, um, then it's gonna it's gonna degrade performance, probably imperceptibly. Um, but as Tal is alluding to here, you launch thirty things that affect performance imperceptibly, and chances are it's perceptible. Hmm. This well, why, is why are these individual changes imperceptible? Like. Why are they not measurable? Um, it's a it's largely a statistical significance problem. If you're if you're moving a small amount and you don't have enough samples, um, and for very small changes, enough samples could be millions or billions that you need to see the effect, right? Um, depending on your your app or your product type, what you're working on, you might be able to do this. If your if your releases uh, contain many changes, maybe you compare the whole release to the previous release, or maybe you look a few releases back, or you um, we, we considered this, we never did it. We um, considered holding a percentage of our users in, a, in a, an old state um, mm -hmm. that was did not get a, a bunch of updates until we had a lot of updates that we could then compare the performance for I've, and then I've bring everybody up to the latest. I've been on a team that's decided to do that where they um, hold dozens, they basically have dozens of features in a holdback group. Um, mm -hmm. These were less about performance and they were more about uh, key business indicators like revenue and uh, costs and things like that. Uh, and it would be, I think, an entire quarter or maybe even an entire half. Um, and they would measure in aggregate. And that was sort of the product team's way of saying, look, look how, how good we've done. We've done this much sort of aggregate impact across all of our features. Yeah. The danger of that, sorry, the, uh, the danger of that with performance is, okay, it's bad. What broke it? Right. Yeah. And then you, you have to, there are some some techniques you can use to get that, but um, I think what you just said is is a is a critical point too. So far, really, nothing that we've talked about any of these major pitfalls are specific to performance. I think you could you could look at any other business mm -hmm. metric and apply them as well. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. So something I've seen or I've made mistakes for in the past is when you is basically like only looking at the median or mean of a performance metric or really mm -hmm. any kind of metric that matters. Mm. And um, even looking at things like the you know 90th percentile, there could be like individual user segments that like get really you know adversely affected by a change, but you know, yeah. other segments improve. So, you know, on average, you know, things are staying the same, but you could actually be degrading the experience for you know, different users. So it's, I mean, just, I think, I don't know if Ryan, you have any advice about it other than just like cutting the data a lot of ways and like having an opinion of who's who to check, but like that's something I've seen before. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely going to need uh, to apply some intuition to figure out what the right way to to slice your users is. And it's easy to to slice too many ways and get into analysis paralysis. So you mm -hmm. want to be very uh, mm -hmm. intentional about what slices you're choosing to slice on. 
Um, but yeah, comparing, I, we touched on this last time, but comparing distributions is going to give you a lot more information too than, than comparing averages. You'll be able to understand mm -hmm. better what's going on with your user group by looking at, at the, the bigger picture. Um, but even when I was on well-functioning teams, we slice the day lots of ways, we would always be surprised by some small segment, some combination of software and hardware that produced uh, a change that we weren't expecting. And so it's really, really difficult. Wow. All right. So... Ryan, this has all been incredibly helpful. Uh, you know, I, I've been—I feel like I've learned a lot with all, all the conversations we've had the last two episodes. I guess is there any like final, yeah, you know, what's final departing performance-related wisdom that you would want to share with us? This is, this is your chance, Ryan. This is my chance <laughs> to make your to make your mark on history. To make my mark on history. Wow. Uh, um, I I think it's it's something that we already talked about. Just to just circle back, it's just like if you are launching something you are degrading performance. And so if you're not setting your organization up, setting your team up to counterbalance that, um, you're gonna find yourself in a, in a tricky spot pretty quickly. So that, I think that's a, a good mindset shift that, that'll set you up for success performance-wise. Well, awesome. Um, so, you know, just, I guess there's another final piece here. Do you have any homework for our, our <laughs> listeners? Since you're our guest, we thought maybe we would invite you to that. <laughs> Well, as we were thinking last time, we, we, we were looking at, at product features. But what I was thinking for this week was if you look at a product and you enumerate all of its features, um, given that feature is a cost, um, which of these features would you be willing to give up as, as a user for some extra speed in that product? But also for every feature that you'd be willing to give up, who is the user that would not answer the same as you. Who is the user that really needs that that feature and would not give it up for extra speed? It's a mm. pretty profound question. Yeah, very thought thought provoking. Yeah. Well, thanks, so thanks, Ryan. Uh, this has been how to product. We've learned today with the help of Ryan about what can go wrong with performance, the pitfalls of improving it, all the different ways to think about uh, different approaches that teams can take. Now, go make good things happen quickly.